0: During that song, I was just listening to that song, and us just singing, we're, chi- we're children of God. We are, we are a child of God. I think that's one of the main reasons why I became a student ministry director, a student pastor, is because I want kids to know that they're children of God. Like, they have God as their dad. Like, how cool is that? If they can get and understand what that really means and what the implications of what that is for our lives as we live that out, dude, watch out, world. Like... I mean, seriously, like, buckle up. Like, this world is in for something. If we can get kids to understand who they are and their identity grounded and secured and who Jesus is in their lives, whew, man. So we had baby de- dedications last week, and my baby got dedicated. And so, because I want him to know at a young age that he is a child of God. Um, so uh, that's me. And my, I'm actually kneeling down because my two-year-old was, like, getting a little squirmy. And so she's like, mm, yeah, let me down. I want to get down. Um, and so I kneel down, but my baby Ellis, my wife is right next to me, holding my son Ellis, who is a month old. I can't believe it. it's crazy, man. It goes so fast, um, and I'm sure he'll be 18 years old, like you know, turn around. Um, I hope not, but trying to enjoy this time as much as possible. I was up, you know, a couple times throughout the night last night. But some of you may be wondering, man, uh, I want to get my kid. You know, dedicated, or I missed that, or I didn't know about that, or I know, you know, my, I have a friend who has a kid who would love to get dedicated. Well, we have some more dedications coming up, um, and those will be November 8th. And so if you're interested, you can contact Lindsay Bush about that, our awesome student ministry, or not student, but uh, kids ministry director here at Spring Branch. And um, another thing that I wanted to mention to you was that some of you may be thinking, I want to dedicate my life to Jesus. Like, maybe it's your turn, and you're thinking, well, I'm not a kid, but I, wanted, I want to do that. And so um, we want to offer you baptism. So May 3rd, we'll actually be doing baptisms. It'll be right after each service, right out here in the courtyard. We're excited to do that. Um, we love doing it at the oceanfront, but we recognize that people, sometimes they're ready. Like, they're ready to go right now. Um, they want to take the plunge, and we don't want them to wait. Like, <laughs> you know, and I love to do it because I literally get to do it. I get to baptize um, you amazing people. And that's just always just an honor and a blessing. But what an incredible opportunity it is to be a part of Spring Branch in this season. Um, God's doing something. He's doing, he's doing things. He's doing a new thing. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about um, some verses in Isaiah where he talks about um, God is doing a new thing. And you may have heard about the prophet Isaiah. He lived about 700 years before Jesus. So Jesus lived about 2,000 years ago. He was about 3,000 years ago. Um, and I love how they knew a prophet was a prophet back in the day. They're like, well, if what you say actually happens, you're a prophet. You're good. You know, but everything that you say has to happen. Like it can't be like most of the things. It can't be like a Nostradamus, like a lot of things, but not every, like it has to be everything. And <laughs> this is intense, but if it wasn't, then they would kill him. It's like, wow, man, you better be sure. You better be sure. You don't want to fake that. You don't want to fake, you don't want to fake it till you make it when you're a prophet. So Isaiah, everything that he said came true. And we actually can look back now and see so much more that they didn't, they had no clue um, would come true, actually continue to come true um, now. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this verse because I've been seeing this verse pop up over and over and over. like it's almost like okay, Lord, I get it, like, I'm gonna, you know, do something with that verse, and so this opportunity came up, and I was like, I wanna talk about Isaiah 43. Um, I mean, it was crazy, like, Heath used this verse to kind of encourage us and our staff, like, in our staff meetings, and then um, our worship and prayer night, not this last one, but the one before, someone had mentioned this verse as kind of the theme verse for our church during this season. I saw it in a devotional, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's, you know, a coincidence, and then someone in our, in our, sitting in one of our services one time came up and told Heath, I feel like the Lord told me, God's doing a new thing in this church. And I'm like, okay, starting to say some things. And then one of our favorite pastors that we like to watch just online, me and my wife will, will at times, when we, when we have a few minutes, we'll just sit down and go, hey, oh, we, love, we love this church, and, and we'll watch the pastor. And then he preached on that verse, and we're looking at each other going, okay. You know, I mean, it's like, we're starting to get it. Um, and then we did a marriage conference, me and my wife, on Valentine's Day, where we just like streamed it into our house. And a guy there preached on the verse, and I'm like, Whew. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Just relax, God. Okay, I get like, you know, but I pray like that. I'm like, God, just make it plain to me, you know, because like I'm a little hard-headed. Like I can miss it. I'm actually developing a new talent, tuning people out. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the people I love the most. You know, I tune out like my, my, uh, my little kid. She's like, Daddy, I need to go to the bathroom. To... And I'm like cooking or something. I'm always like, do you hear her? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. You know, it's like for some reason, I don't know if you just develop it naturally, if it just starts to happen but like my wife too, you know, I'll just be on my phone. She's like, hey, can you let And I'm just, you know, it's like, man, I'm tuning out the people I love the most. And I think sometimes we can tune God out. I think sometimes we really can. Like he can be speaking to us over and over because he's always speaking. He's always trying to say something to you. But many times we're just so distracted. We're just so caught up in what we're doing. And we need to be careful that we don't tune God out. That is the most important person that you do not want to tune out. And when you don't, man, like, you'll hear some pretty incredible things about what you're supposed to be doing and about God's will for your life. And so I believe when God wants to do something new, he begins to speak to you. When God wants to do something new, he begins to speak to you. And that's what he did to this people in Isaiah. So just to give you a little bit of context, this people, um, the the Israelite people, they had just been conquered basically by Babylonians. So um, the people of Judah had kind of held up a little bit but the Babylonians came and took them away to a foreign land to captivity. It's called the Babylonian captivity where the Jewish people got taken away to the land of Babylon, a world power at that time. And so um, these verses were written to those people and they had actually at this point been in exile for like 40 or 50 years. And so when Isaiah writes these things, it's like to a people who had probably even started to question God altogether. It's like, is, God, is my God even the real God anymore? Or is this other God, Marduk, you know, the God who the Babylonians worship. maybe some of these other gods that are around me right now, maybe maybe they're the real God. Maybe he's more powerful because I'm living in their life. Like he conquered our God, right? Like they would kind of compare gods. Like if, if your army beats our army, right? Like your God's stronger than our God. And you would kind of like say that to themselves. Um, and so these people, maybe even like us, maybe they're a little a little bit like us in the sense that they're immersed in a culture that is so unlike their own or what, you know, what it really should be or what it was at one point, a godly culture um, back in Judah, back in their homeland, that, that they're starting to become conformed. They're starting to, they're starting to do some of the things, say some of the things, act like and talk like and, and be like some of the people that they're around, right? Um, and, and, and I believe sometimes we can even start to question our faith at some point. We can start to question our faith when we don't, when we don't see God, when we don't see people acting like the, the way that they're supposed to anymore. You know, we don't live in a Christian society anymore. Like that's just not what we live in. It's a postmodern, post-Christian society. And so we look around, it's like, man, should I talk about God? Should I live like God? Should, are these standards still the same? You know, I mean, should I still do some of the things that the Bible says, or is that irrelevant? Does that even make sense anymore? And so I think Isaiah is really writing to a people who are starting to question in their minds those kind of questions. And so I want to talk to you today about specifically four facts of faith that my prayer is it will revolutionize your spiritual journey. Like, whoa, that's crazy, revolutionize. Um, Four facts of faith. I just picked facts because it was an F, facts of faith. I just like alliteration sometimes. Four facts of faith that will revolutionize your spiritual journey. So what I want to do is I want to kind of read through the verses in Isaiah 43. And as I go through, I'll just kind of point some things out to you as we go. And so this is where, um, this is where he begins. I, I really think this, I, this verse, these verses in Isaiah say a lot of things about faith. And so let me help you point some of those things out. The, the um, title of these verses is The Lord's Promise of Victory. And I'll read out of the New Living Translation. This is what the Lord says the prophet Isaiah writes, because that's what a prophet does, speaks on behalf of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. So he's saying that military might that they take pride in, they think they're so big and tough, watch what I'll do. They'll be fleeing in those ships that they came to try to conquer you in. They're like, okay, uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, Verse 15, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator and king. And he repeats it in verse six, I am the Lord. I think sometimes somebody today just needs to hear that, that God is still God. Like he's still in control. He's still sovereign over all things. Adonai, which is a name of God, means master over all all things. Not some things or not some people or most of the time, all things. God is still God of your life and my life and of everyone's life, ultimately, all things. God is still God. I think somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody just needed to hear that. This is what he reminds the Israelite people of who are away in captivity. This is what he did. He opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. Opened the waters, made a dry path through the sea. I mean, that's pretty cool. I called forth. The mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses, I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick. This is the Exodus moment, right, that, that, that he's talking about. This is one of the most monumental and miraculous moments in Israelite history. When God delivered the people out of Egypt, right, they went th- like through the Red Sea it opened on dry ground they walked through. And then as they got to the other side, it closed on the Egyptian army, as they were chasing them, trying to get them back. Man, that was an incredible moment. What kills me, though, is, is what happens next. Before I get there, I just want to remind you, Romans 9.17 says this. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, the one who let the people go out of Egypt, right? For this same purpose have I raised you up that I might show my power in you that my name might be declared throughout the earth. So this is the reason why God allowed that moment to happen, why he allowed them to be slaves initially and why he allowed them to be let go is so that my name would be proclaimed throughout the earth. So he had a purpose. He had a purpose for even why they were there and everything. He's a master over all things, and he allowed this to happen so his name would be made famous and declared throughout the earth. And we see in Joshua 28, a story of Rahab where she goes, oh my gosh, your God is the real God, right? When they get to the promised land, they send spies into the promised land. If you guys are familiar with the story, they, sp- they send spies right before they get to the promised land, they send spies in, like, go check it out, go see what's going on. And so these couple spies come across this woman, Rahab, and she says, We've heard what, what your God did. He opened, the, like, he opened the sea, and man, the Egyptians, we've all heard. We're all scared. Like, your God is the real God. Like, we know, like, I know this. I don't know if everyone does, but we're all, like, shaking in our boots right now because, like, we've heard what you guys have been doing up until this point. Like, we're scared. And so God literally did make his name famous. I say that to illustrate and to try to, to, try to build up this moment. In verse 18, he said, but forget all that. But, for, but forget all that? Just forget, forget that. Forget, forget the most monumental, miraculous moment that's ever happened in Israelite history. Just forget that. Forget that. <laughs> okay, Lord. Um, well, why? Very next words. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. God is like a rising faith in these people. He's like, you thought, you thought that was cool? Watch what I'm about to do. Watch what I'm about to do. That's how I feel about this season in Spring Branch, truthfully. I feel like, yes. I mean, where we came from, you thought that was cool? Watch what God is about to do. I feel like, okay, I'll just let this preach itself. If you're always looking back, you can't see what's coming. I got that from a Ford truck commercial. I was watching TV. I mean, that was so good. I was like, yeah, I'm going to write that down. But like, I started thinking about this, though. Like, Isn't that what the Pharisees were guilty of? They were so busy looking back at the law and the prophets, right, and the traditions that had been built up around those laws that they missed Jesus right in front of their faces. They missed him. They missed him. They, they were so busy looking back. Well, what about Moses? What about these teachings? What about these prophets? What about everything they said? Jesus was right here saying, like, I'm greater. Like, I'm the, I'm the Messiah. I'm right here. And they missed it. Totally missed it. I'm about to do something new something new. My first point, before I skip it, was faith has a healthy fear of God. Faith has a healthy fear of God. Rahab looked at those spies and she said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I, I know your God is a real God. I, I know that. And as he's reminding the people of where they've been, they're like, oh yeah, I do remember when God did that. I do remember what kind of God we serve. I do remember how powerful he is. I do remember who God is. So let me stop complaining. Let me stop worrying about where I am, my situation, or how bad it seems because God is still God. Faith has a healthy fear of God. And my second point is faith for the future isn't phased by the past, right? Faith for the future isn't phased by the past. Faith looks forward, not backward. I'm about to do something new. Something new. I'm about to do something. New. This is the verse that, that, that people like to hold on to. I'm about to do something new. Yes, God's going to do something new. But I actually like some of the verse that, that, that comes after this. See, I believe the past is not meant to define us, but to refine us and prepare us for what God's about to do, right? And this is what we see next. I've already begun I've already begun. Now we have to keep in mind that he's talking to a people living in a foreign land in captivity, some even feeling like slaves, some feeling like, where's my God? Some feeling like, I, like my kids, they don't even know who God is. They've never seen these. They, they haven't even heard these stories. We don't have our, our, you know, all of our religious structures and all of our, you know, like, like he's writing to those kind of people. And he says, I've already begun. I've already started something. I've already started stirring something. And this is where I want to stop and pause for a second. Because this word, I've already begun, actually refers to a Jewish word. And it's like tsamak, like T-S-A, tsamak, And it, it refers to like plant growth or like a seed germinating, right? When a seed goes under the soil, it begins to germinate. And um, I thought that that was so cool, um, and before I illustrate that, I want to tell you a story. I, uh, <laughs> when we bought our house, we, um, we, the people before us must have loved gardening. Like, they must have just been retired. And, like, we never met them. But, like, they must have because there was, like, literally we counted them. There was, like, 40 bushes around our house, like, big bushes. Like, we had to rip, we've tried to rip them out, like, one by one. It's just taking forever. We still got, like, 20 of them. And so they had this little garden. Like, it was nice when we got there. Um, and, and we kind of we just let it overgrow, and it's like it has weeds coming out of it and everything. And at one point, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do something with this garden. I'm gonna. And if anyone knows me, you know I love spicy, like spicy anything, spicy, like, like I love, I love, here's my little illustration for you guys. Thank you, Barb. And uh, I love anything spicy. Like it can be like hot sauce from the Dollar Tree or like the good stuff from like a farmer's market. Like I don't really care. You know, like, I just love spice. And so I tried to grow a jalapeno garden in my backyard. But I was smart because I had tried to plant some actual seeds before and nothing came out. Like, nothing happened. So I'm like, I'm just going to buy some actual plants. Like, I'm going to start off, like, ahead of the game. I'm just going to start with some plants. And so I planted some plants and I'm like, all right. In a couple weeks, I'm going to have myself, like, bushels of jalapenos. You know, I'm going to be good for, like, months And so, like, I'm watering, I'm watering, nothing's happening, it doesn't look like anything's happening, Um, and I brought this out because I wanted to show you that when you look at a plant, although this is a fake plant, as you may see, um, you can't see a plant growing, right? Like, you can stare at it and look at it, but like, you know, and obviously, again, this is a fake plant, but a real plant. Even as you look at it, you can't see it. I mean, there's some, like, particular situations where you may be able to see it, like, some, a, a budding or whatever. But, like, you can't, see, you can't look at a plant and see it grow. And this is the kind of faith that I believe that God is trying to remind us of. See, so he says you can't look at your situation, right? Just because you can't see something happening doesn't mean it isn't happening, right? You can't look at it. But you understand some things about a plant because of science now, ultimately, right, you understand, like, photosynthesis is happening, like, the roots are going down into the ground, like, nutrients are being uptaken, right, and and spread to the, to, like, things are happening, so God says, right now, I'm doing something, just like in this plant, like, think about a plant, right now, if this is a real plant, something would be happening in that plant, like, water and nutrients would be, go- it would literally be growing, although you couldn't see it, something would be happening, and this is, and this is kind of what God is trying to remind us about is something is happening. Something is happening. And see, when they when they put that seed in the soil, it disappeared. And it looked like nothing was happening. And for 7 days, maybe for you that's 7 months, maybe it's 7 years, for these these people in Babylonian captivity, it was 70 years they were there. 70 years. If you guys are familiar with the with the Verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, for plans for a future and a hope. That's actually written to a people who were going into captivity. So he's like, you're going to be there for 70 years, but I know the future that I have for you. Remember, I do got a plan, but you're going to be there for 70 years. I mean, people forget the context that Jeremiah was writing to. And Isaiah is writing to the same people about 50 years down the road, reminding them, who God is, but he said, I'm doing something. Even right now, I'm doing something, and I know you can't see it. I know you can't see it. I wanna remind you of a verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the evidence of what we cannot see. Faith is the evidence of what we cannot see. So I wanna remind you that just like a plant, we understand some things about a plant. Even though we can't see them happening, we know they're happening. In the same way, God says, that's how faith works. You know that faith is happening. You know that I'm, even though you can't see me or even though you can't always see your situation turning around, that doesn't mean I'm not real. That doesn't mean I'm not doing anything. I've already begun something. I'm already doing something right now, right? And, And that's how I feel about Spring Branch. Again, God's stirring something in the waters. Like something is about to happen and he's already begun it. He's already started assembling the team together. He's already started to bring some of you here. And he's already started to get some excitement going. And I'm super excited, obviously, about what God is going to do. But what I want to tell to you is just because you can't see a a seed germinating doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because you've been praying for your spouse, you know, make them humble, you know, whatever it is. You know, it's like just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because you can't see your son or your daughter turning back to the Lord doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because you can't see your situation turning around doesn't necessarily mean nothing's happening. God's saying, stay faithful, keep praying, have faith in me, and know that even if you can't see it, I'm doing something right now. I've already begun it. I've already begun it. But you have to look with the lens of faith. You have to look with the lens of faith. I was reading a uh, pastor and writer named Matt, uh, Mark Batterson, and he says you have to have the patience of a planter, the foresight of a farmer, and the mindset of, of a sower, right? Someone sowing seed. As a, as a student pastor, I have to have those things. I have to understand that even though I can't see kids like coming to the, like they're not like I believe in Jesus, I love him, you know? They're not like they're, that's not necessarily happening right? But I know that the seeds that I plant, even though if I see it or if I don't see it, and praise the Lord, I've been blessed to be able to see some things happen. Even if I don't, I can be sure that seven weeks, seven months, seven years from now, they're going to look back on, on this time of their lives and say, you know what? God planted some seeds. God did some things. God spoke to me. God started something even when it looked like nothing was happening. And I have to have the foresight of a farmer. And we all do. That's what the kind of faith that God is calling us to live, that even though it doesn't always look like it, even though it doesn't always feel like it. And so that point that I want to give to you is faith doesn't always make sense to the five senses. Faith doesn't always make sense to the five senses. You might not be able to see it or feel it, right? You might not be able to understand it or perceive what's happening. I love what God says next. This is what he says. Do you not see it? kind of like a rhetorical question. It's like, look at the plant. Don't you see it growing? You're like, no, Lord, I don't. See. You know, he's like, he's like, don't you see? It's already happening. And they're like, no, we're in captivity. We don't see anything happening. But he's like, you can know that it's happening. You can know that it is. You, can ha- you have to have faith that it is, right? That's, what, that's the kind of faith that God calls us to. You know, we're going on a middle school retreat this coming week. I love retreats. Um, it gives kids an opportunity to step outside of their like fast-paced life and we put their phones down and we take their phones from them and we're like, give me those phones. Um, and they hate us for about, you know, I don't know, 10 hours. And then they're like, wow, no phones is great. They're like, My stress level went down from here to here. And like, you know, at first they're like, my phone. And then they're like, wow, don't even give it back. You know, a lot of times they'll say, don't give it back. You know, I just, I feel like so much peace, you know, and they can just get away and and hear from God and hear the gospel preach and worship together and have fun and be crazy together. Um, Natalie likes to say it's controlled chaos. It's controlled chaos is what we do, especially with middle schoolers. I remember at this one retreat we went on, it was a middle school retreat, and this kid did exactly what I told him to do. I said, "Invite your friends to this retreat. It's going to be amazing." And guess what? He invited his friends. So I couldn't even be mad at him. But him and his friends were some troublemakers, man. <laughs> they were troublemakers, and I couldn't even. Be mad. I'm like, man, you invited your friends, okay? And he, but he was the ringleader, and man, I'll tell you what, these kids were something else. And I had to have the patience of a planter. Had to have the patience and know that God's doing something, and so we get to, like, Saturday night, which is, like, the climax moment, right, where, like, it's the big service where the speaker is going to give the opportunity for kids to receive Jesus, and these kids are nowhere to be found. I'm like, where did they go? Like, wh- what's ha- Like, what? And so, you know, I'm like, okay, leaders, you know, watch these kids and make sure everybody's good. So I try to go find them, go back to the cabin You know, I go to the bathroom. They're not there. They're in, like, the cafe area where you can, like, buy sodas and get snacks. And they're just kicking it, shooting the breeze, laughing and stuff. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, what? get in there. You know, if if you're not going to do anything, you're going to hear this gospel preach. You're going to get this message. You're going to sit down, and you're going to hear this. And so, sure enough, I get him in there, and then he's like, I really have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, seriously? Really? And then his friends come up, oh, we really, we really got to go too. Is that all that soda? I'm like, oh, my gosh. So what am I going to say? Like, you know, anyways. So I'm like, all right, go to the bathroom. And so these kids, and then I go, and I have to go back and get them from the bathroom because the message is about to start. And I'm like, come on, man. What are you guys doing? And so I finally get them down, sit them down. Um, The message has started. And what's so frustrating is that they're starting to, like, like, Other kids are being distracted from from what's happening. You know, I'm like, okay, you're not only like, you're not only messing up your own like ability to receive something through this time, but like other kids too. And so anyways, I'm like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing in here. (laughs) Obviously nothing with these three kids, but if there's anything else happening, Lord, please, you know, let it happen. God and, and just, you know, whatever. And so I'm in that moment praying that prayer. I remember this so vividly. And uh, and so the speaker gets to the point where he's going to, you know, allow kids to raise their hand. And, you know, so everybody's eyes are closed and this kid raises his hand. The ringleader raises his hand. And so I'm like, dude, this is not a game. Stop playing around. He's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm serious. I'm like, I'm dead serious. I'm like, okay. So like I pick him up and I like, walk him to the back and I actually just take him right outside the back door. I'm like, what's going on? And like, it was... I said, Like, it was the most beautiful time where I got to just encourage him, just speak words of life over him because he did have potential in his life. He did have a calling. He was a natural leader. And I got to speak that into him. He started crying. I got to pray over him. He received Jesus in that moment. Like, it was powerful. God was doing something when I thought God was doing nothing. I was like, he's definitely not doing something. Out of these three, you're the one who he's definitely doing nothing with. And like, there he was, like touched by Jesus in that moment, raised his hand, gave his life to the Lord. I mean, hallelujah. Like that's, what, that's the kind of faith I'm talking about. You know, it's like, no matter what you're seeing, no matter what you're feeling or what you're hearing, what you're sensing, none of that matters. God's doing something despite that thing. And actually he's going to, he's going to do it just to, just to make you feel like, man, I should have known God. Like, why, why did I doubt you? You know, why would I ever doubt you that you would do something powerful like that? He does those things. I want to say this to you. Fake faith is believing only what you can see and what you know is happening, but real faith, real faith is believing what you can't see, but you still know is happening. That's real faith, is believing what you can't see, but you still know is happening. You know, the more I thought about this agricultural analogy that Isaiah uses, the more it reminded me of Jesus's agricultural analogy that he used when he talked about a mustard seed of faith. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I wanna just remind you of that verse. And this is the EFV version, the Eric Fretz version. It says, we don't need great faith for God to do great things. We just need a little faith and a great God and watch what he'll do. I'm gonna say that again because some of you didn't catch that. This is the Eric Fretz version. We don't need great faith For God to do great things, we just need a little bit of faith in a great God and watch what he'll do. Jesus said, if you just had a little mustard seed of faith, anything would be possible for you. You could say this mountain move and it would. If you had it, not like great, you don't need great faith. You don't need this big. Jesus said, just a mustard seed. You can't even see it. If I was holding it right, you wouldn't be able to see it. If you were holding it, some of you (laughs) wouldn't be able to see it. Like it's so small, just a little itty bitty piece of faith. If you just had that, Jesus says, anything would be possible anything would be possible. That's encouraging for me. That's encouraging because, and that should be encouraging for you too. Well, I'm not, you know, the preacher or I'm not, you know, some great person of God. Jesus said, a mustard seed, anybody can have that. He said, anybody's capable of having that kind of faith. And if you did, man, watch out world, watch out world. The heart of faith moves the hand of God if you like to remember little phrases like that. The heart of faith moves the hand of God. Some people think, well, God's gonna do whatever he's gonna do regardless, and it doesn't matter what I say or what I pray, and I would submit for your consideration that it does matter. Your faith does matter, your prayers do matter, they do make a difference, the scripture says that. There's stories in the Bible about how people's faith and how their prayers actually change the course of history. Where they, like, debated with Abraham, debated with God. Like, people spoke to God. God, you said this. This is what you said. This is your promise to me. Like, we need to start praying with an attitude of faith, looking with the lens of faith. And, man, what God would do, what God would do. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. These are the final few verses I, just, I want to talk to you guys about today. As I continued to read, I could preach these a couple different ways, but as I continued to to look over these, I started to see that I think it was talking about more than the deliverance from the Babylonian captivity. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. See, he's a way-making God. He makes a way where there was no way. In fact, Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. I am the way. See, I think Isaiah was actually prophesying about the Messiah. He wasn't just talking about the Babylonian captivity, about how he was going to set them free. He was actually talking about how he was going to set us free, about how he said, I am the way. I will make a path through what seems like a wilderness of this world. It seems like you can't see where you're going. It seems like nothing's happening. You can't see the path through. I'm going to give you a light. I'm going to be the light. And if you, if you believe in me, you're going to be the light of this world. I, I will make a way. I will make a way through the wilderness. I will create rivers and a dry wasteland. If any of you are familiar, Jesus has a story where he says, if anyone drinks regular water, they're just going to be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks this water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. It says, it will be living waters inside of you that well up into eternal life. Living waters. See, it's not just, it's not just water that he would provide in, a, in, in the desert of your life. It's actually this never-ending living water that Jesus provides for you if you put your faith in him. And it's incredible. It's, if you can tap into that, if you can tap into that living water that's available through Jesus, your life will be sustained. Your life will be sustained. Your way will be made. And when it seems like there's a wasteland, when it seems like you're just dehydrated, when it seems like your soul, your soul is just thirsty for something, Jesus comes and he hydrates you and he quenches that thirst. He's the only one who can. We try to fill it with everything that we can. But Jesus is truly the only one who can do that. Living waters for our thirsty soul. Friends, the new thing that God wants to do is available to you. The new thing that God wants to do is available to you. Now, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new thing, a new thing. See, God wasn't gonna do a new thing for the Babylonians. If we understand the Exodus story, we understand it really wasn't anything new. God did those things before, so we couldn't be talking about that. He said, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the hope of glory, that's the new thing. That's the new thing. It's available to us. It wasn't available to them. But you have the possibility to receive that living water in you, and you become the new thing. We are the new creation. Romans ten seventeen 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And so I don't know, some of you today, maybe your faith was stirred. Maybe some of you came in here and your faith had kind of started to drift a little bit being conformed to the culture, right? And, and what your friends say, and not what God says. Maybe some of you didn't have faith at all. Maybe you don't even believe in this whole God thing. Maybe you don't even believe in this character, Jesus. But I'm here to tell you that he's the most real thing because spiritual things, the things that are unseen are actually more real than the things that are seen. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. If that's you, I just want everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads as I pray with you, I just want you to pray this prayer with me just in your heart silently. If that's you, if God's speaking something to you today, I just want you to pray that prayer with me in your heart. And even if you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord, this is between you and him. You know that he's saying something to you if he is. And so would you just pray this prayer, Father? Father, help me. Help me to have faith, God, even a mustard seed of faith. God, I need you. I want to turn away, God, from everything that keeps me from you. God, I believe that that you died for me and that ultimately you rose again. And because you have new life, I'm a new thing. I'm a new creation and I have new life. Give, Give me living water, Father. I need you. I need you, God. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. You know, God's doing a new thing in this church. And I'm excited to be a part of it. And I hope you are too. Especially in stu- student ministry. I mean, I, I just see these kids are on fire for the Lord. If you if you could be there, if you could see what's happening, 40, 50, 60 students, like coming to here, like coming and worshiping together, coming and building a community where they can be open and transparent with another, like lifting each other up and carrying each other's burdens. It's incredible. It really is. God is doing a new thing. And so I'm so excited that you're a part of it. And one of the ways, one of the ways that that we help to support what we do is, is, is we take an offering. We take an offering. Everything that we do is funded by your generosity. So let's just pray over this offering. God, thank you for your faithful people. God, the people who you've placed here. God, it's no coincidence that they're here. God, you've put them here. And so I thank you for their faithful generosity, Father. Would you just bless them, God? Would you just be their provider, their Jehovah Jireh provider, God? That's you. That's you. We recognize that. And so thank you for these gifts given, Lord. And just be faithful to use them to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, you've been faithful to plant the seeds. And you will be faithful to always send your rain. Lord, you've been faithful to plant the seeds.